Well, just make sure that. What we uh it's good right there. It's good right there. We're live. We're in the shack that uh houses the uh current clubhouse for Sweetens Cove. And we have uh two guests here that are in large part responsible for what happens here. Uh Rob, we'll start with you. Can you just tell me a little bit about yourself? I'm Rob Collins. I'm the architect of Sweetens Cove and one of the uh partners in the ownership group and uh yeah that's that's what i do we are <laughs> you, you may yes. have heard I, I don't know which is episode is going to come out first but we did do another pod just prior with tad Moore and uh patrick and so we're just it, it, i'll treat this as a separate pod what you're hearing is, is the squeaking door of people coming and going in the clubhouse which is smaller than a tractor trailer bed oh yeah live in the shed Live in the, the shed. shed. You, you're hearing Nash's voice right now. Nash, you're uh, you're 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 a recent transplant to West Pittsburgh, South Pittsburgh, <laughs> South Pittsburgh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Um, so Nash Pater, uh, general manager at Sweetens Cove. Uh, yeah, it's been an amazing experience. It's uh, uh, in the foothills of the Smokies, and uh, I can't be more thankful for the opportunity to uh, be a part of it. You came in here after a already wonderful experience working in golf. Uh, you describe your experience in Michigan um, doing what sounds to me like a wonderful project as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, working with the city of Detroit with their golf assets, uh, they have a portfolio of four of them um, with some great history, uh, a Donald Ross and Rackham Golf Course. Uh, Rouge Park, Chandler Park, and Palmer Park. So, yeah, just uh, beautiful assets right in the city. Um, all, pu- all public. All public, yeah. Yep, uh, the public assets. Uh, there's only one private in um, uh, the city limits of Detroit, and that's DGC, uh, Detroit Golf Club. So uh, they have a lot of great membership there that supports uh, the public assets as well. Um, and then uh, I was working with a contractor that had six country courses, too. So we actually ran uh, 10 properties in Metro Detroit. So wh- what are you, what, wh- how does that align you to be the perfect guy for Sweetens Cove? Um, and we'll get into defining or trying to define Sweetens Cove in a little bit. Sure. Um, I think it, it definitely, uh, over my years in the golf business, um, I've seen everything from very high-end privates um, to your local muni. And, uh, you know, Sweetens Cove uh, is a, definitely a unique place in golf. Um, it gives us an opportunity to really kind of focus in on the fun, right? You guys can come out here and uh, feel like you're a million miles away from everything, but there's great golf to be had. And um, as far as my uh, um, expertise, hey, I'm definitely uh, just wanting you to come out and have some fun. Yeah, I can tell. That's that's definitely top priority, um, not only for you, but for the course as well. So, Rob, I guess let's go into, um, you know, you and I have already had a lot of discussions that are, you know, wonderfully videotaped and on YouTube, <laughs> I'm assuming, at the same time as this podcast comes out. But, you know, uh, I jokingly referred to when I first met you as the hands of God for Sweetens Cove <laughs> because, you know, from what I'm hearing from you was described as a flat piece of land and a golf course that was built in 19, uh, what did you say? 51. 51. Yeah. Uh, Sequatchie Valley, S E Q U A T C H I E, Golf and Country Club, nine hole course. Mm-hmm. You come in after basically that course is closed. So the the guys who hired us to to redo 
the Sequatchie Valley Golf Course were uh, the owners of Sequatchie Concrete, which is a large concrete manufacturer here in town. It's actually one of the most successful concrete manufacturers in the United States. They have a, a really robust business, and this so a lot of mines or something, or a lot of well, they quarries? just they have a lot of plants around the southeast. They've expanded. They started in South Pittsburgh, um, and and have expanded around the southeast and have been very successful and the the Sequatchie Valley Golf Course was a really important part of their life growing up. Um, Reese, my client, told me stories about his dad hitting seven irons to him out in the third fairway which is over there by the creek. They had a house that little, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a little concrete pad on the left hand side of number three fairway. There, that used to be where they lived. Okay. And, and his dad would hit golf balls to him and he would catch them in a baseball glove. Amazing. So <clears throat> this was a really seriously important part of their life. And um, the, the golf course had gone into pretty bad disrepair in, in around 2008, 2009. And <clears throat> it was a sad thing to watch for the Thomases to see that happen. So they bought the, the golf course back with the intention of doing, quote unquote, something to it. They weren't quite sure what they wanted to do with it. And so... Um, you asked me about uh, King Emig when we were playing number four. Long story short, King, kind of a local golfing legend in Chattanooga, he put me in touch with the Thomas as he heard they might want to do something with it. And I, you know, built a relationship with the with the Thomas family and um, ended up getting the, the project. They kind of had a, had a decision to make. Um, I was a young, very ambitious... Um, guy who had been in the golf industry, passionate about golf architecture, had worked for Gary Player previously, and I was desperate to make a name for myself. And I told him straight up, like, look, if you hire us, my goal is to build you the best nine-hole golf course in the world. You know, you can hire these other guys who, you know, say they're just going to come out on the weekends. And if that's what you want, hey, it's your land. You can do whatever you want. But if you hire me, this is what I'm going to try to give you. Or you can hire these other guys and just kind of keep what you got and just expand on that a little bit. And they ended up deciding to to go with us. They bought into our vision. And um, we started construction in 2011 and finished in 2012. And then... What, what would you say is, after seeing this completed, and, and like from what I've heard you say, clearly being able to uh, evaluate this project as a success mm -hmm. based on you know future opportunities for you mm -hmm. and this success of people coming out here to what is an unlikely golf destination in your words um, what do you see as the single if there is single most ingredient to success in a project like this right like like in general what what do you need do you do you need someone to be open-minded do you need someone to be able to come in with free license do you need what do you need? Like, what, what, what? Maybe if there are more than one ingredient, what, what are all the ingredients that you really have to have to turn an abandoned golf course into something really, really interesting that people are now, and for the last several years, paying attention to? I think it's multiple ingredients. I mean, there were, um, you know, you joked about me being the hand of God, and I was quick to let you know that there, there were a lot of people who were talented people who were involved in it, not not just me, and. Um, you know, it takes on the design and construction side some very talented and, and 
in, in driven people who are willing to fight through some difficult situations to just see the creation come to life. I mean, we're talking about my partner, Tad King, uh, Gus Grantham, our, our lead shaper on the project. And then on the client side, um, you know, I have to talk about Reese Thomas. I mean, he had a really strong backbone through some difficult circumstances um, with respect to the differences in their family and division of the course there were some differing opinions about what we should be doing out here and, and he held really strong and he bought into us and and let us let us do our thing and without reese's strong backbone you know this never would have happened without a, a shaper with the caliber and, and talent of Gus Grantham it never would have happened without my partner Tad King's ability to manage construction and um if then it helped finish a golf course it never would happen without my <laughs> design thoughts and just total unwillingness to quit it wouldn't happen so there's a lot of factors was there a part of you uh when you know your your pitch to get this job is uh essentially um I want to make the best nine hole course on earth which is bold you know, like, I mean, it, that it, if, if someone came into my office and said, I want to work for you and my goal is to, you know, make the best whatever it is thing that I need, I, I would be like, that's awesome. Like, like, I need you to own this more than I do. And I'm the owner. Mm -hmm. um, do you think uh, on some level? Um, oh, man, I forgot my question. All right. I'm going to flip. I'll, I'll remember it in a second. Zach, I was going to ask you. um what is the what is the cause? You, what you know? You were in this. We're in this shack. There was there was a clubhouse, fifty feet away that blew away. We're we're in we're in there the was, shack now. Yeah. We're we got merch on a rolling rack. We got a fridge. We got a desk with some whiskey on it. It's low key. What what you're in here? What are the calls you're getting? You um, know when people call into Sweden's Co. What are they getting? Yeah. So there's a huge following uh, throughout America and. Uh, architectural um you know awakening happening throughout the the golf industry so it's uh you you get phone calls from new york you get phone calls from california and uh everybody's just curious on you know what it, what all the fuss is about and it's about a, a beautifully designed um strategic nine hole golf course that makes people think and when you're talking about golf that's all you want you want you want to get out there and uh, feel the land and your feet and um, really get you to think and, and find some peace out on the golf course. So that's what I tell them, and that's what you're going to get when you come in, uh, to Sweden's Cove, that's for sure. So people, um, people literally call and they say, what's all the fuss about? Yeah, they definitely yeah. do. Are those pictures online real? Yeah, uh, people yeah. ask that, yeah. yeah that's so are. incredible. Those, those must be just people who are like, want to come out here, but it's a little far for them to just drive. Yeah, yeah. So And you, you've seen a steady increase over the last four years of – um, uh, you know, just a lot of business, um, golf travelers going all over the place to Bandon, to Cabot Links, to these new new places, Streamsong, and and Sweetens Cove is right in that mix. Um, so it's a it's a destination, it's a pilgrimage, um, definitely uh, a lot of first timers. Uh, is I think there's the, a lot of the most fun. I think there's a naturally a lot of skepticism too because we're used to as golfers being fed a steady diet of bullshit from people about whether their products, whether it's a golf club or a golf ball or a golf course, 
you know, it's like, how could, I mean, come on, it's not that good. Everything's paid. Yeah, it's all, it's all. Golf bullshit. channel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you, you went to Sea Island? Shocker. <laughs> yeah, right. no way. Yeah, so it's like, it, the amount of hype and, and stuff that this golf course has received, I mean, I'm, yeah. I, I get it that why people would say, really? I mean, yeah, I think it's the thing, that, too, but that's really, but, culture, that, but that's, right? that, that's ultimately, I think one reason why this place has been successful is that, it was born out of just necessity and, and there's, yeah. there was no room for bullshit. No, right. No. <laughs> you know, what you see is what you get. It's never been well capitalized. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's all been about the golf. And so any, what you see is what exactly is what, what you get. What did you mean, Nash, when you said craft culture? Yeah. So, you know, industries, uh, throughout, uh, every kind of business change and, and adapt. And you're going to see that in the golf course industry. You're seeing it right now is, uh, there's a craft craftsmanship, uh, to, to the new golf era. And, and Rob's leading that charge with other great architects. And, um, Sweetens Cove is the embodiment of that craft culture. Bottom line, it's, uh, you know, uh, born out of necessity. I mean, you see it here in the shed. You got, you see all the studs and... You got a press, um, press board roof with yeah. some uh, with some writing on it. But, Apparently the wood is rated uh, <laughs> for... Yeah. It, yeah. And uh, this is great. And, Exposed light bulbs. But then what you have on the walls, too, you've got, yeah. let's see, three Josh Bills paintings. No, four Josh Bills paintings of ballpark blueprint. You know, flags from the last ringer with Zach Blair and... It's got a lot of a lot of very got, talented a of, individuals. A lot of, a lot of character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm honored to be a guest of yours yeah. today. Oh, we're, we're honored, we're honored to, to have you. you. I mean, I, this yeah, is you're one, part this of the one, the movement, baby. But this is one of those. <laughs> yeah, this I mean, is one of those situations. <laughs> yeah, where, yeah, you're just as important, right? Yeah, this is one of those situations <laughs> where I look back and I'm like, okay, we're sitting in here doing a podcast with Eric, and it's like, it's awesome. It, it's impossible to explain to people how much of a miracle it is that we're even sitting here talking. I mean, on so many different levels. It's a miracle the golf course ever got built. It's a miracle it got finished. Um, that was just one part of it. And then the whole thing with us taking it over, I mean, it, it has been We do incredibly own the shed difficult. outright. Now, now we actually own the shed. You own the shed. That's, that's, about, that's amazing. Yeah, we were, we were paying off. Hey, you know, a little month. rent to own never hurt we'll anybody, okay? Um, I, remember, I remember my question, Rob. My, my question was going to be, with such a bold statement... <coughs> For your interview mm-hmm. to make the course, uh, what was there? Was there at any point in the process of um, you know lack of certainty on your part? Were you like, uh oh, or or uh, maybe I can't, or maybe I didn't, or maybe uh, you know we talked a lot about the earth moving that it took mm-hmm. to make this place. You know, sure. a floodplain originally flat. You come in and move things around like we're in the dunes. It's a links course. Yeah. So when I first came out here. Um, when King first emailed me and told me about it, I, I came out here, it was July of 2010 and I walked down the hill down there to the kind of left side of where the waste bunker is. Now there was an old shed down there where their maintenance facility was. And there's like yellow jackets buzzing around and there's this flat golf course out there that was in bad disrepair. And it would, I mean, I'd say not joking. It was the worst golf course I'd I'd ever seen. Yes, and, and so the the way I got most t- improved. Yeah, the way most yeah, improved, yeah. exactly. So the way I got in touch with 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 King was through the superintendent at Lookout Mountain because I'd wanted to help Gil Hans redo 
Lookout Mountain, he had to he got hired to do a master plan at Lookout Mountain. And that never happened. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. But then Gil got hired to do Sewanee, which is where I went to college. And there, there was a country nine-hole golf course at, for the university up there, and I wanted to get involved with that. And then King said, I'll be happy to help you out with that. Um, but Because King was heading up that from the Sewanee, and he was a Sewanee guy too. And he said, but I'll do you one better. I'll put you in touch with the Thomas family and go check out this Sequatchie Valley Golf and Country Club. I mean, I grew up in Chattanooga. I'd never heard of it. Never heard of it. And never you played golf your it. entire life. You're, you're, you're a bit of a player. I saw you swing. Well, I, I, I mean, I'd never, it just wasn't on the radar. And, wow. Um, that's a weird thing about Chattanooga too. And I think it's a part of the reason our business had struggled for the first few years is, and I'm getting off track, but South Pittsburgh to a person from Chattanooga is like, that's a long way away. Sure. Even though it's only it's 30 minutes. 30 minutes, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so I came out here. 30 minutes driving 60 miles an hour the entire time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I drive. Be careful up. on 24, yeah. too. That, that highway is no joke. Yeah. So I get out here, and I'm like, I had this moment, and I thought, what in the hell are you doing with your life? I mean, really, if this is where you got to start, you know? I mean, is this seriously? And because it was that bad. I mean, it was just like, this is... Am I really going to try to go out on my own and all that? I mean, I was desperate to go out on my own. I mean, one time I was interviewing with Scott Farrell, the president of Gary Player Design. is the stupidest thing I've ever said in an interview. He said, what, what do you want long-term in your career? And I was like, I want to go out on my own. <laughs> you don't tell the president of Gary Player Design that you want to be out on your own. But, I mean, that, that, that was a goal of mine. But the reality of it hitting me in the face out here was like I mean, it was such a daunting task to even consider because it was such a bad course. And then, no, but we got we got into it. Can we just take a moment and and I'm you you're you love golf, yeah, right? You played it all your life. I'm assuming since I was eleven or okay. Something. And you've worked in golf course architecture. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just curious to know what is it actually like when you walk out to a golf course and say, "This is bad." Right, I mean, maybe, maybe uh, I may not be as like trained as Andy Johnson or something like that, but but it must have been really bad for you to come out here and say how bad it is. And I'm just curious to know, like that feeling of walking onto a golf course, pondering the rest of your life, looking at a place that is completely uninspiring to you. Like what? Like that's what happened. Mm-hmm. There was an open concrete ditch going down the middle of seven and eight fairway. The approach into number eight was about 15 yards wide. <laughs> there were so many trees on the right-hand side of the fairway. You would hit golf balls into the middle of into number one in the middle of summer, and the ball would disappear into the ground. The, the nickname of the golf course was Squishy Valley. It's had heavy clay soils. When Gus was shaping number one, there were golf balls from 1960 bouncing off the blade like like frogs scattering in a, in a pond. I mean, they were thousands of golf balls. Reese would tell stories about, oh, you, know, you kill a drive out there in the middle of, in, you know, right in the... But um, it was just, it was, <clears throat> it was not a pretty sight, but it had a couple things going for it. A great setting, a pretty good routing, and, you know, going back to the client, they really let us turn loose. I mean, Whatever we do in the rest of our career, I will contend that we were very, very lucky to have Reese buy into our vision because, you know, you could have a Cor Crenshaw or a Gil Hahn, somebody who has this, you know, sterling 
record and resume in today they could have clients that would not let them do all the shit we did out here wow that's uh, fascinating you know they, they would there's a chance that they could get reined in and, and so for reese first time out of the gate is a solo project to you know let us really do our thing was was great and, and that was a big part of it and um, there were a lot of sleepless nights because we were pushing the envelope out here and, um, and, you know, I wanted to do something unique and there are certain things that we were doing. I, I just, I didn't want to go overboard. I wanted to stay tethered in the fundamentals of good architecture. And, um, we had to, we, we touched the line a couple of times, but. Shout, I, out I think, I, yeah. Shout out Thomas family. Yeah. Shout out Thomas family. And his I, vision, right? Yeah. Being but, able to let you yeah, go. But I, like I, that, I, that's I think awesome. we, we were able to, we were able to keep it tethered to the ground and not let it float away. Um, thank God. I, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. Precision Pro, everybody. Precision Pro Golf makes amazing golf rangefinders that are the perfect combination of price and performance. Um, listen, whenever I see someone on the range or wherever I go, if I see someone with a Precision Pro rangefinder, I see a paisano, a countryman, someone who's not interested in basically overpaying for a product. Same the same way I feel about vice balls. You know, it's like it's just like we cut out the middleman, we make a great product, and we get it out to you so that you can basically afford it. I mean, I don't know, I I don't know, I I just I would rather have. Uh, something that's good value, right? Uh, right now, the NX7 Pro is on sale. Whoa, $40 off. Go get it. $40 off, that's a good deal. What's even better is that you can get an additional $10 off for being a listener of the podcast when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's $50 off. I mean, jeez. I'm going to go get some. I've said that already. Over 800 verified reviews from real golfers can't be wrong. Here's what Ty had to say about his NX7 Pro rangefinder. He goes, uh, while waiting on the tee box in my last round, there was a hawk flying overhead. <laughs> the NX7 Pro is so fast and accurate that I was able to measure the distance to the hawk while it was moving. 178.4 yards, if you're curious. So that's about a, that's an easy six, hard seven. Um, if the NX7 Pro golf rangefinder can measure a hawk, can definitely measure a flag. That's been my experience. Um, well, also Ty's experience. Uh, go to precisionprogolf.com and use coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K, to get $50 off the NX7 Pro Rangefinder today. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. All right, one more read, folks. Adidas. Over 5 million pieces of plastic are floating in our oceans, which over time get broken down making it easy for sea life to ingest, ultimately affecting our own food chain. So it is your problem. It's not just a world problem. It's you. It affects you. Adidas is working with Parlay to prevent plastic entering our oceans and transform it into high-performance sportswear. Mm -hmm. Shoes is coming soon. Just hold on. Hold your hats, folks. I'm not even done with the ad. Stop trying to figure out what I'm going to say. Adidas is spinning the problem into what? A solution. The thread into a thread. I don't know what that means. It's written here. It says the thread into a thread. I don't know who wrote this. Adidas Golf is bringing eco-innovation to the golf course in 
a, the form of a special edition shoe. All right, this is legit, actually. This is the first time the Parlay shoe has been uh, a golf shoe. I've had it in um, form of a running shoe. I mean, look, it's a it's a sick shoe that serves a purpose, okay? That's where you get it. Um, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe. Oh, look, they already wrote it for me. The first ever golf shoe made from pla- uh, recycled. Oh, no, it's not called recycled. It's called upcycled. I don't know what that is. I feel like I should probably Google that. Upcycled plastic waste that was intercepted like Jason Bourne from the beaches and coastal communities before reaching the ocean. Dang. I didn't realize this is Jason Bourne's golf shoe. Intercepted. I mean, I'm the golf guy, but I also love football. Who doesn't love a classic interception? Especially when... It's Jason Bourne saving planet Earth. Entire upper of the shoe is made with threads spun. It's also a DJ. Amazing. From the upcycled plastic waste. My phone's ringing. It's Andrew Marler. Hang on. All right. Well, that was a 20-minute phone call, but you have no idea. It just went by like that. Um, Anyway, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe made from upcycled plastic. I already read this because it's got the intercepted line. Intercepted from beaches and coastal communities in a world before reaching the ocean. The entire upper of the shoe is made from thread spun from upcycled plastic waste. Built Built as the Tour 360 XT, you still get great traction and stability. I feel like, what's that line from Taken? I have a certain set of skills. (laughs) They will take you. Available starting June 10th at adidas.com. And for those headed to the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, a select number of pairs will be sold on site. Get into it, folks. All right, back to the show. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. Um, okay, so I, I am curious to know, were either of you here when Brad Klein did his... Uh reviews his rating so the way the the way the golf week rating works is they have um they have a rating panel um you know a couple hundred raters or whatever around the country and we knew some people who were raters and and the word just kind of spread organically amongst the the rating community and we started to get some ratings in in 2015 when we first opened and, but we didn't get enough to get nationally ranked, but we got enough to get ranked in the state. And our first ranking came out as we were the, in 2016, we were the number one public course in the state. Wow. That was our in, first. In all of Tennessee? Yes. How many other great golf courses are out here? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty big deal. That's a lot. And so that that shook a lot of people up. In I remember Patrick calling me. I mean, he was so pumped up because he had gotten a phone call. And then we we felt like we had a shot at the top 100 modern because we knew what other courses were, were on the list and, and everything, and we felt like we had a, a we felt like we had a good chance at um, it it being on that. Rob's a little distracted because apparently four pizzas just arrived. Is that for us? 
Eight pizzas. This is not for us, is it? Um, I don't know. We got pizzas coming in. We're a little confused. Yeah. There's no, a cool. birdie. Can you birdie the small the black one? Yeah, let's, okay. let's do it on the porch. Yeah. We have a table out there. Um, oh, what's up, birdie? Birdie's birdie in the, the house. dog is in here. Birdie out. I apologize. The, uh, the, I don't apologize. I'm unapologetic. Yeah, we're on, we're at Sweetens Cove. This is all normal. This is how it works. Um, so eight pizzas just arrived. Um, so we were talking about. Um, what was I talking about? Well, I'm curious to know because uh, here's the thing. Brad Klein. Oh yeah, so we were talking about the rating. So then we started to get more raiders out here, and we felt like we had a shot at, at top one hundred modern. It you know pretty good place on that. You know the Dunes Club was ranked thirty or something like that, and um, we ended up in the two thousand seventeen ranking was when we got fifty nine, and then two thousand or sorry. So, yeah, the first one was 59, then 2018, we, we were, were 50. Wow. Because oh, I, just to give some people listening some background, uh, Brad Klein is a friend of the pod. He was on, uh, we, we took, spoke with him when we were at Pinehurst this year, and I was interested to hear you talk about number two as being uh, inspiration for you in some sense for Sweetens. Um, I believe that's, that sounds That's absolutely true. I mean, number, number two is, is baked into the DNA here big time. So, Brad, um, on the podcast, I, I believe he talked about it on the podcast. It's a great podcast if you haven't heard it. But he talks about how you can't play a golf course and review it at the same time. Hmm. And I was curious to know, because he's the one who essentially oversaw the Golf Week rating. That's right. He's created the rating panel. Yeah. And so he's the one who's basically saying, you know, Rob, you're sitting, you've got a half zip on. It's, it's a tan color. It's nice, nice texture. It's got a logo on it that actually coincidentally looks a lot like my signature. <laughs> and it's the Sand Valley logo. And the reason why I'm pointing that out is because Sweetens Cove, nine holes, ranked above Sand Valley's, well, probably 18 at the time, but now 36. Core Crenshaw. I mean, that's big, man. Yeah, that was huge. That's, that, did, was, did they, that was did, huge. Did, uh, did they call you? Did, did, <laughs> did Core Crenshaw give you a buzz? Core Crenshaw didn't give me a buzz, but I certainly called the kaisers and said hey let's go if we can do this on 72 acres and dead flat heavy clay soil in a floodplain what do you think i can do up there good for you so kaisers are a great group of people they are uh, yeah. when when you talk about let, let's just dream for a second right i mean you guys uh i get a lot of messages oh, i want to work in the golf business i want to work in the golf business. you guys have well, well dream jobs yeah Dream job. Absolutely. Dream job. I mean, I, it was a, yeah. I mean, that, yes. Nash? Um, I'm at my dream job. Uh, with great people, great golf course, um, no matter where you go in America, uh, this place is special. So I'm really excited about being here. Um, What's your life like here? Oh, by yeah. the way, I just noticed your incredible, uh, put your hands <coughs> together. Put your hands together. No, flat so I can see the backs of your hands. No, no, back like that. <laughs> you've got you've got a pretty impressive golf tan going. Your yeah. left hand is about fifteen percent lighter than your right hand. <laughs> so, so you're, the so call you're, out. Yeah, so your dream job is you get to play a lot of golf. Yeah, get to play a lot of golf. Um, interact with a lot of different people from a lot of different uh, walks of life. You're the host. I am. You're like I the do. president of the club. You, you, there is no private club involved with Sweetens Cove. Nope. But in a sense, all you need to do is show up to be a member. That's it. And you're the host. Yes, sir. Everyone is coming out as your guest. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, and we welcome them with uh, a shot of whiskey uh, for all first-timers. 
uh, to get the, the the Tennessee vibe right. Um, and I see we know. got about eight choices here, maybe seven choices. Yeah, guys come in from all over uh, the place and donate um, bottles of whiskey, and uh, it really kind of gives them a, a first look at Sweetens Cove, right, is in the shed, and you, know, you, you see the number 50 ranking, and you see these beautiful paintings of uh, Rob's masterpiece, and, and you go, whoa, what kind of place is this? And I'm there to greet you with a smile and a handshake and, and let you know that you're welcome, no matter where you're coming from. Where did the name come from? Sweetens Cove. Sweetens Cove came from... Um, so the Sequatchie Valley is a, a valley that runs a long way through Tennessee, and Sweetens Cove is a geographical location within that valley. And my mom actually has a old... Do you remember those maps with the little... Um, that have the relief on them? Like, you would see yeah. them hang on the walls. Like, you could kind of see where the mountains were and the rivers and the valleys and all that. She has one on her wall that was probably printed back in the 60s or 70s and i was looking at it one day and <clears throat> it's called sweden cove is in the country sweden huh. on that map so Very it cool. originally was called sweden cove and then the way the locals pronounced it became sweeten cove sweeten's cove there's sweden apostrophe s cove so there's about four or five different ways people <laughs> to this day still refer to it i mean some people put the apostrophe some people don't. Some people, some locals call it Sweeten Cove, S-W-E-E-T-E-N, no S. Um, but I think it's all derived from the Sweden thing, which one time Patrick and I and um, a couple of our friends were just kind of bullshitting. And we thought, you know what would be a cool flag is if we took the, the, the Swedish flag but did our blue and our, our dark blue, light blue club colors and made a you know that was the flag that we had on the golf course and there's one right behind you we you know have that out on the course that um, is a really cool story so that's where that that's why that flag with the cross is because it's you know sweden go i love that i mean i'm swedish yeah so so the, but the proper spelling is sweetens no apostrophe that's right mm-hmm if you're from the north you would pronounce it sweetens cove sweetens cove <laughs> it's right. really a great name and and uh, what about the logo? That's a, it's a, it's a very um, vibey logo. We got, we've got we a lot. Lo- lo- we've logos. got a lot of logos. So our yeah. original logo was the um, Ooh. whiskey barrel with the SC with the um, old English SC and the T. And then we oh, um, there's a T in the faucet there. Yep. Yeah. And then we um, we hired a, a really talented guy named Ben Hollerback to design the. Oh, I know Hollerback. Yeah. Yeah, great guy. He's a he's a Hickory guy, isn't he? Yep, he is. He's the one that turned me on to the Belvedere, cool. uh, yeah. to the Hickory Open. Yep. And I ended up meeting his father. Yeah. What a marvelous set of coincidences. Yeah. So he he did the SC, and then um, he also did this um, the the Dunwoody tree, the, the Dunwoody tree, and then he did the um, the the bunker logo right here. Yeah. Oh wow, the yeah. the sort of diamond. Yeah, that, that's the one that's um, that's like that's number one, the bunker on number one. So we've had fun just messing around with the merchandise. That's a good vibe. One of our members came up with the name. He, he started calling this place the Pine Valley of the Sequatchie Valley. <laughs> and we were like, okay, who that's said fine. that? Who said that? It was. Uh, it was. Um, was it John? No, it was a dude we were playing with the other day. Um, Paul. No, um, John. Paul. How many members do we got? Oh God! Um, <laughs> well, we only have ten. 
There's ten members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't is, recognize is it... him when we the other day when we because he had shaved his beard. Seth. Seth. Yes. Yeah, Seth Stewart. Yes. Seth is the Pine so, Valley of the Sequatchie Valley. Yeah. yeah. So Seth came up with the name Pine Valley of the Sequatchie Valley. I'm embarrassed. I'm, anyway, so it's fine. Uh, so we were laughing He's about that. And I, and I, <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Exactly. Shout so, out Seth. Sup, Seth. <laughs> so. so um, so we were laughing about that, and, and we said, "Let I'm gonna send this to Ben and see what he can come up with." And Ben just like ran with it and came up with this cool little tree logo with the SCGC. What um, uh, you know, we we talked a little bit about um, you know it, the generalized view of golf and the idea that most courses are 18 holes, Sweetens Cove half that. And it still packs a punch. It still is worth a trip. It still maintains its reputation as a valuable experience in golf, especially, as Andy Johnson would say, for the woke. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know. What, I mean, you know, do, do, how often do you get into the conversation, Rob, about 9 or 18? People... <clears throat> come up and you know a lot of times you'll hear when, when people check in here you ever gonna build nine more i mean it's kind of gotten to be a a joke and that could uh, be a t-shirt yeah it we, is it, we've we've <laughs> we've talked about that actually um but you know the i the idea going into this was that we were going to build nine golf holes with so much variety that you weren't gonna leave the place feeling like you were la- lacking in any way. Yeah, you'd want to play over and over again. And, and yeah. that's what. That's what it is. And that's uh, you know maybe the ultimate success of it all is that people can come out here and play thirty six to fifty four plus holes in a day and not feel like I really wish there had been nine more. I mean, yeah. the only sense that you would say that would be that like that'd be really cool if there were nine more like this. Yeah, it would be really cool if there were, but you don't need them. I mean, yeah. it's not necessary. We walked off the, the, the ninth green, and I really had a hard time believing that we, in fact, played nine. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like nine. I played a lot of nine-hole courses. In fact, I started playing on a nine-hole course, and it's Roosevelt. Actually, Forrest Richardson is in the middle of redoing it, which is pretty exciting. Oh, cool. Because that's, um, you know, in a sense, the course I grew up on at age 30. But, you know, that is a wild walk through the woods of the Hollywood Hills. Mm-hmm. Right or Los Feliz Hills, and you know it's it's got views galore, but it feels like a nine hole course, mm-hmm. right? And and you know each some of the holes are isolated, you don't see anything else, and that sort of tends to make a course feel bigger or longer or whatever it is. And even with all of those attributes, I come here onto what is essentially it's a square piece of land, right? It's, it's a, a rectangle. Square. It's a big square. Yeah. It's a big square, and you can see a lot of the holes from the other holes, which which probably adds to it. You pointed out on the third tee, this is your favorite spot on the course. Can you describe, um, you know, David McClay kid, I got to play with him at Mammoth, and he said, uh, you know, one of the things that you have to do as an architect and you have to give to the golfer is a peak, mm-hmm. right? Like a, like a, like a, like a glimpse. Mm-hmm. You did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming into the third tee after the second green, you immediately see nine. You're as far away as you can be from nine. You're on the other corner and you can see it. Yeah, yeah and you can see this wonderful, um, you know, what I'm assuming is, Frequently, is that nine right there? Yeah, that's number nine right it's there. Looking yeah. back, you know, it's 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 um, talk about the ethos of that, of the experience of playing the course, and and you know, I guess that. Well, I think that 
Kit is is right that that that's a very important part of architecture, in that if you give somebody a glimpse in in landscape architecture, they they call it conceal and reveal. You know, you're 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 concealing a little bit from somebody you're not giving them the full picture and then they kind of go down the driveway and then it, and then the, the house and the yard re reveals itself to them you you get a little glimpse and then it fully reveals itself and having little snapshots of a, a golf course um as you go throughout it can create some i think some psychological tension and, and also some anticipation and i the thing i always thought about when we were building this golf course was i grew up going down rivers and around the southeast with my parents they used to love to canoe and you'd get really nervous your heart would start pounding when you would you know hear that rapid off in the in the distance and and to me psychologically coming around number two and looking up at number nine was like when I was a kid going down the Hiawassee and I could hear devil shoals in the distance you know it's like you look and you see this big splash of sand and this really tough looking crazy green with this big thing you know kicking up on the right and you're like you know you're gonna get there at some point you know <laughs> like i've got a i can't walk off this golf course without hitting this shot that's like it's a do or die shot you know and um and so th those th little bit of anticipation that you get is 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 really important and the way the golf course out here flows together and ties together in the relationship between the holes is extremely important in the, in the way it flows and you know all that was was thought out and, and done intentionally and it 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 creates a certain feel and uh there's an ebb and flow to the routing and you know we were standing on 3t and i think you said now tell me about this rob and i said you know this is the start of what i would consider the heart of the golf course you know one and two are kind of an introduction and then three four and five are like whoa you like holy shit like we're here somewhere different you know this place mm -hmm. is legit and then you know six and you're kind of getting into a little bit of rhythm and then you know seven eight and nine are kind of a nice finishing stretch Smooth, where you where home. you kind of yeah. kind of hope you land the plane and um <laughs> and number nine's a i think a great finishing hole because it's it's got an amphitheater setting and it it can kill you or it can you can finish in ultimate glory with a hole in one i mean we've had a completely disproportionate number of hole in ones on that hole for the amount of rounds we've had i mean there's there's been a ton i mean i was telling you the story earlier about the high school girls match where the girls hit three hole in ones in, in one day and two of them were back to back so you uh nine is such an interesting hole in fact it might be i think for me i found for me i think i was able to contextualize it as well luckily you know it's the last hole we're playing but um you know it, it, it succeeded in the sense that i hit a well-struck ball but it didn't i think that i was not able to swing freely i think i think mm -hmm. something about that incredible um, view that you have on the tee, it, it succeeds in the sense that, you know, the, the architect beat me. Yeah. You I beat, mean, you got me. Yeah. You <laughs> it's know, a the, short the part three. The, it's the great, the great short holes strike the fear of God into you. But at the same time, if you hit a good shot, they're going to reward you and let you have a look at birdie. And that's, I'm a total sucker for good short par threes, good short par fours, and, and, and reachable par fives are the most 
fun and interesting types of holes in, in golf. And, um, you know, well done short threes are an important part of the arsenal. So, so in the original design, it was a par three as well, the mm-hmm. finishing yep. hole, the ninth hole. At, were you like locked in like yeah let's do another night three par three finisher or were you like thinking about it or did it just make sense to continue no it just it made sense to continue with that the old um the old ninth hole actually finished underneath the tree that you try to hit over when you're on number one so anyone who's played here before will it was in a completely different location and yeah. why that was over there i have no idea um the actual, the original ninth hole before um, some developers got a hold of it and put those houses up across the road came up here, and the, the ninth green wasn't far from where the, the shed was. Hmm. And then when those developers did that, they moved the ninth green down. Well, I don't know why they moved it down underneath that tree, but that's neither here nor there. But it, it just kind of made sense. And we had this hillside, and, you know, kind of in, from an architectural standpoint, I think whenever you have some contour to work with, it's you know, take advantage of it. And so we built the green kind of benched it into that hill and, and had that opportunity to flash sand up behind it, which was a nice visual and also, you know, functions as a hazard as well. And then the, you know, that big sandy waste coming up in front too looks cool. Do you, uh, the only other golf course that I can think of that finishes on a par three is done by a maybe, uh, mentor i don't know i mean you didn't name any mckenzie courses i don't think but you know pasatiempo pasatiempo is a great one love pasatiempo it's, it's one pretty of my favorite courses it's it's pretty incredible uh, pasatiempo is the bomb yeah it's yeah. amazing and it's and it's a great example of perhaps uh you know the idea of public golf uh functioning in a way that supports the education for people that want to learn, mm-hmm. you know, it's so hard to get out and play. I mean, I, I am privileged to be able to sort of play great courses. In fact, let's talk about that for a little bit. I have been struggling a little bit because I, it, when I came to golf, it was the Los Feliz, you know, par mm-hmm. three course. And I would, uh, I would steal a receipt out of the trash and I would go and play a replay rate, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And then for $4 or whatever, you know, and that's cause that's where I, you know, like that's, that was golf. That was like yeah. what I was going to do. I had used clubs that I would recycle through this 90-day return policy that the golf store had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like cut to now, and it's kind of like, um, you know, it's it's just an interesting place that I'm in where it's like, you know, with the opportunity to basically play almost wherever I want, right? Like, there, I have an invite to play at Pine Valley. I feel weird about it. Mm-hmm. I feel super weird about it all. And I, and I, you know, it's like, it's hard not, it's like, it's almost like Gollum Mm -hmm. in the Lord of the Rings. Like, it's like, it's hard not to get totally overly excited about that. And it's not about exclusivity as much. It's more about, that's just a different experience or it's a noteworthy golf course, Mm -hmm. you know? But I know like, you know, I talked with Andy Johnson the other night, we had dinner and talked about this particular topic and how for him, it's like, well, he's just focusing on the architecture. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. what I mean, I'm focusing on the people I play golf with and mm-hmm. how to play. Mm-hmm. So that changes when we go to a really fancy course. Mm-hmm. I don't know where we're, we're going to go play this afternoon to look out. Is that, is that super exclusive? It's a private golf course, but I wouldn't call it super exclusive. I mean, you know, it's not going to break the bank to be a member there but it's a it's a great golf course how do you in your golf life your golf experience over the years how do you look at 
that difference, right? When you look at a public course versus a private course, what did you grow up on and how has that changed as you travel, right? Um, I grew up, the first place I ever hit a golf ball was at Signal Mountain Golf and Country Club. I grew up on a little suburb outside of Chattanooga and it is a private course. Um, but I played with my dad, um, you know, as a kid growing up, my three sports were, uh, baseball, basketball, a lot of backyard football, some soccer, um, golf was kind of an afterthought through, you know, most of my, um, elementary years I'd say but but I enjoyed it and we would go to you know Fall Creek Falls or um, play Moccasin Bend in Chattanooga I mean so I played a, actually probably a lot more public golf growing up than I did um, at, at Signal Mountain and you know moving forward um, you know I think that <clears throat> the reality is is there's a lot more bad golf courses than there are good golf courses interesting and but within the broad swath of, of courses that exist in the united states and in the world there are nuggets and hidden gems and, and places that have legitimate architectural interest and um i think you know tom doak's confidential guide has done a, a great job of, of of highlighting that and you know <clears throat> the flip side of that is is that just because a place is private and has a big name and it costs $250,000 to join doesn't mean their golf course is worth a shit. A lot of times it's not. Right. And so you can find a, a course that's more architecturally compelling a lot of times for $60 than the, the one that, that's unobtainable. But at the same time, I mean, you know, the Pine Valleys of the world and, and places like that that are exist in this realm of, of almost untouchable architectural excellence you know if you get the opportunity to play at a place like that i mean it, it's kind of hard not to because right. it's there's something to learn from that right i guess it, that is what it is and, and also the, educational. The, and, and also i mean i think the experience of, of being in a place like that i think places have a places have an energy and a history and a and a feel to them I've never played Augusta National. I've been there a lot for the tournament. And when you're at Augusta National, there's no other Augusta National. I mean, it has a feel to it. Mm. You know, it, it, there's a, a weight to that history that's that's there. And you can sense that when you're on that property. And, and I think that, you know, the really good golf courses come through in a, in a way that's not just what you're seeing. It, it's there's a, a feel and an energy to it. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, Nash? Throughout, you know, my years in golf, uh, coming from a little country track outside of Grand Rapids and just experiencing that it was a wedding venue, you know, um, it was a golf course was secondary to doing, you know, hundreds of weddings a year. So every golf course and even asset, uh, has a different vibe to it. So, you know, over the years, my experience has always been just, you know, kind of podunk uh, golf um, out in the country and, um, you know, transitioning it into my adulthood. I, I got to, you know, work at a couple of country clubs and experience that um, interaction with members and, and the management staff and uh, just kind of got addicted to the business side of it. And, um, 
you know, I think that's what you do. Everybody's um, golf experience can be different, and, and it can go through ebbs and flows like Rob was talking about a golf course has. Uh, your experience as a golfer uh, can be that way too. So just in the last year, I've, I've golfed so much that I've never golfed before. You know, I've, I was never really much of a golfer. I played basketball in high school and um, a little bit in college, and uh, golf wasn't really that cool to me. And I, I just worked in the industry. I enjoyed the interaction with the people um, and the business side of it. So, you know, as I'm moving here into my, uh, you know, mid thirties and, and experiencing, you know, sand hills, um, out in Nebraska and Bally Neal and, you know, Pebble beach and, um, being able to, you know, have access to those kinds of places is, uh, you know, it just feels really special, um, to be on that land that, you know, only so many people see, but at the same time, I think, uh, our industry needs to, uh, open up some of those doors so the everyday golfer can, you know, have a little bit of access to, uh, those special places in golf and, um, Sweetens Cove is, <laughs> is one of them, which is really cool. And that's why I enjoy being a part of, uh, um, um, this team here is because it does open up those doors. Um, so everybody's on their own journey in golf and I, I, we've been watching yours and uh, enjoying yours cause it's very similar uh, yeah. to mine. Um, and, uh, I enjoy that, that you're, you know, you're being able to play in Japan one day and, and now all of a sudden you're going to be at Sweetens Cove. So, uh, it's, it, it's a very, um, you know, different experience for you. Um, and, yeah. I, and it is for almost every individual. Um, so yeah, mine has been a quite a journey and excited to be in, involved with Rob and, um, you know, the future is bright. Uh, this guy's a young architect and, and we need to get him on some good properties and, and that's <laughs> our goal. Um, you know, these, uh, resorts, uh, throughout the nation, uh, have an opportunity to really, um, um, you know, mix it up and, yeah. and engage our population of golfers throughout the world um, in, in a different style. And you'll see that at Sweetens Cove. And, and once uh, Rob gets one of those special properties, you're going to see it there. And I guarantee that. And it's going to be something that you really feel when you step on the property. And there's no, no higher regard than that, buddy. Damn great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I uh, I can't wait to hear the news about that, and I'd love to be there for the creation. Right, I've always wanted to film a process and to that'd see it come cool. alive. Yeah, that'd yeah. be cool. So that'd be something I'd love to talk to you about. I in closing, I guess I can't really say much more. Uh, you know, in in my esteem and regard of this place that I was able to experience for the first time, which I feel so lucky about. Um, you know, seeing a place for the first time, and you know, it's it's it's. You, you have to be wide awake. You know I mean, you got to be ready to go. And, you know, that's uh, I'm glad I'm glad that it was it was a good day for that. Yeah. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. And uh, you're welcome. Anytime. Come out, come have a shot of whiskey and we'll go uh, play nine and chase it. I love it. A- anyone who's listening, if you're thinking about it, uh, just don't hesitate. Just do it. Uh, hit Nash up. He'll be here. He'll <laughs> yeah. T- he'll, he'll tell you why they're talking about it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I can't say enough uh, that, there, that there's something out there. And, and, you know, I can't wait for the next night. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Not for when you build another night, but when right. I play another That's night. That's right. Thanks, guys. Thank you for uh, we'll put as, as Like always, everything's down below. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Rob or if you want to uh, check him in the Sweden's Cove Instagram or Nash's Instagram. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.